Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Welcome to Turning Point. As a believer, it's exciting to think of all you'll gain in the rapture. But it's also important to know what you'll miss. Seven years of hell on earth. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah turns his attention to the tribulation, a time of unprecedented suffering that sets the stage for the greatest revival the world has ever seen. Here's David to introduce today's message, Salvation in the Tribulation. You know, folks, as long as I can remember, uh, the tribulation's been a mystery to a lot of people, and it's been a mystery to me until I began to study it. I think one of the things that people get wrong about the end of the time uh, in which we live is that Many people say that before Jesus Christ can come back, there has to be a great revival and a great awakening, like some of the great awakenings we've had in the past. Then the rapture happens, and then we go to the tribulation. But that's just not true. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible does not teach that there's a great awakening before the rapture. The Bible teaches that the rapture comes and catches people off guard. They're not ready for the rapture. But there is a great revival that takes place during the tribulation period, and it will be probably the greatest revival that has ever happened on the earth. We will have 144,000 witnesses, the two prominent witnesses, Moses and Elijah, a special angel of evangelism. And the Bible tells us that when these people are saved, they gather around the throne in heaven, and there are thousands upon thousands of people. So in the tribulation, people will be saved. And we're going to study that today and tomorrow. It comes as a great shock to a lot of folks that people come to Christ during the tribulation. Before we get there, let me remind you that we're going to uh, continue making this book available to you. This book, uh, The Great Disappearance, is is just flying out of the building, flying off the shelves. And you can get your copy of it by simply sending a gift of any size to Turning Point and saying, send me Dr. Jeremiah's new book. Send me The Great Disappearance. It'll be on its way to you. We have them in the warehouse. We have extra people ready to help ship all of this. And uh, we're, we're, we're mailing these books out all over the world. Don't get left out. It's, it's an incredible campaign. And it could have something really important to do with your life or the people that you love. So let's begin today with this first session on salvation in the tribulation. Follow the direction of the Bible in chapter 7 and 14 of the book of Revelation and find out what happens during that seven-year period of time. For more than a month, Nadia Sukarova endured the fury of the Russian army. So did 300,000 other residents in the southeast region of Ukraine. Rockets, tanks, drones, artillery fire, infantry with guns and grenades. The entire city was trapped in a little war zone with no access to water, no access to electricity or communication with the outside world. When Nadia finally managed to escape, she began posting on Facebook 
so she could inform the rest of the world about the horrors that she had seen and felt and lived. The dead lie in the entrances, on the balconies, and in the yards, she wrote. The biggest fear is night shelling. Do you know what night shelling looks like? It looks like death. In another post, she tried to describe the experience of wading through missile attacks in the early hours of the morning. A huge hammer is pounding on the iron roof and then a terrible rattle, as if the ground was cut with a huge knife, or a huge iron giant walks in forged boots on your land and steps on your houses and your trees and your people. She ended her report with this expression, my city is dying a painful death. I'm sure you've thought of it as you've watched television and seen the scene that are being sent back to us from Ukraine, the awful, brutal nature of that war and the uncaring concern of those who are prosecuting it. Perhaps you've even had thoughts like I've had. When I read the Bible and I read about the tribulation, it's like that, only 10 times worse. What's going to happen on this planet after we go to heaven is so awful, it takes from Revelation 4 to Revelation 18 to tell the whole story. The picture of tribulation, according to God's word, will be a period filled with unprecedented horror, upheaval, persecution, natural disasters, massive slaughter, political turmoil, you name it, it will be there. All who accept the authority of the Bible believe the tribulation will happen, and the chaos today's world is presenting to us makes us believe it even more. Because the rapture will happen, and then the tribulation will start, and future events cast their shadows before them. Could we be even experiencing some of the early shocks of a tribulation period? The word tribulation is rarely used in our ordinary conversation today. It's translated from a Greek word that describes what happens when grain is crushed. It is a crushing thought. Paul was saying in his writing to those who would read Thessalonians what this would be like. And the term calls to mind giant weights. So the idea behind tribulation is utterly crushing and pulverizing and grinding substance into powder, and it is a picture of what will happen during those seven years. I don't want to discourage you by giving you a lengthy description of this, but for you to understand this, I want to tell you what's going to happen. And I won't stay there long because there's good news at the end, but for you to understand this, you need to hear what the Scripture says. The next question of Paul's readers would have been, when is this going to happen? And Paul answers in 1 Thessalonians 5, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. What that means is these things that are going to happen in the tribulation will happen suddenly. No thief sends you a letter to tell you they're coming at 2 o'clock the next morning. A thief comes unexpectedly. The rapture comes unexpectedly, but with the rapture comes the tribulation immediately following. We should expect to see some birth pangs of that period of time as we live our lives today. Paul was saying that you cannot know when this will happen. It will be a surprise to the world, but for those of us who know the Bible, maybe not so much. And it will be seven years of severity. 
Nowhere in all of the Bible will you find one single word or description that says anything good about the tribulation period except that it only lasts seven years and it will be over someday. Moses called it the day of their calamity. Zephaniah called it the day of the Lord's anger. Paul referred to it as the wrath to come. John called it the hour of trial and the hour of his judgment. Daniel described it as a time of trouble such as never was nor ever will be. And Jesus, in Matthew 24, described it. These are the words of Jesus. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now the chapters in Revelation give us a vivid description of what's going to take place here on planet Earth. All peace will end. Rampant slaughter will bloody the earth. Hail and fire will burn up the planet's grass and destroy a third of all the trees. Intense famine will dry up food supplies. Rivers and seas will become too polluted to sustain life. Many rivers will dry up completely. The sun will scorch the earth and its inhabitants like fire. A quarter of the world's population will die from war, starvation, and beastly predators. Giant earthquakes accompanied by thunder and lightning will destroy cities. Mountains will crash into the sea, killing a third of the fish. Tidal waves from the cataclysm will sink a third of all the world's ships. A massive meteor shower will strike the earth. Ashes and smoke will rise from devastation and hide the sun and the moon from view. Swarms of demonic insects will inflict painful stings. Rampant epidemic plagues will kill one-third of all mankind, and everyone from national leaders to servants and slaves will flee from the cities to hide in caves and under the rocks. I didn't make that up. I just read sections from the book of Revelation that describe the seven years known as the tribulation. It is not an overstatement to say that the tribulation period will be hell on earth. No passage can be found to alleviate any degree whatsoever the severity of this time, the picture of the tribulation. Now, the question in our soul is why? What is the purpose of all of this? Why must there be a tribulation? And I'd like to give you several reasons that the scripture give for this period of tribulation. Of course, God will not be absent during this time. He is at work. First of all, purifying Israel. The Jewish nation exists as a result of God's promise to Abraham that he would bless Abraham with a lineage greater than the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. And the Jewish nation, blessed by God, has tested God's patience from its very beginning, turning away from him time and time again. But despite her persistent rebellion, God has not forgotten his promise. One of the last phases of his promise to Israel was that they would regather in their land in 1948. That happened. I was a young boy when it happened. Our nation was the first nation to recognize Israel in its national existence. Yet after all God's care to preserve the scattered Jews through the centuries, enabling them to remain intact so they could inherit their land, they still rebel against him. 
The first purpose of the tribulation, according to the Bible, is to purge out the rebels among the Jewish people and bring about the final conversion of the nation of Israel. You know, the Bible was written, first of all, to Jewish people. We're the add-ons, those of us who are Gentiles. We're grafted in. And God cares about the Jewish people, and he will bring that nation to himself. And in order to accomplish it, the tribulation is necessary. The Apostle Paul left no ambiguity as to whether this purging would be effective. He wrote, And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sin. One of these days, God is going to bring Israel back to himself. And in order to do that, he will have to deal with the rebellion in the nation. Purpose number one, to purify Israel. Purpose number two, to punish sinners. Before I tell you what I want to tell you about that, let me suggest to you that all of us have a sense that this needs to be done. I don't know about you, but when you watch what's happening today and the cruelty, not just in our nation, but around the world, slavery, killing, murders, even here in our own city, murders, and you have to say to yourself, where's God? Why doesn't God do something? Do you ever have that feeling? I've had it. God, where are you? Why don't you do something? I want to tell you, one of these days, God's going to do something. He's going to bring about the righteous punishment on this rebellious people who have neglected to recognize the sovereignty of God in their life and in the world. Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. We like to think and speak about the love of God. Nothing I love to preach about more than the love of God. I've written a whole book, and the title of the book is God Loves You. He always has and he always will. One of my favorite writings. But wrath goes hand in hand with love. In fact, love and wrath are two sides of the same coin. One who is infinitely good as God is rightly abhors evil because evil is the enemy of goodness. Evil is in fact like a parasite, a blight, a cancer on goodness. It feeds on and destroys good. Therefore, God rightly directs his wrath at evil. The prophet Nahum explained the nature of God's wrath in this way. He said, the Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he will reserve wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. One of these days, those who have been so evil, think of trafficking, think of enslaving children into prostitution, think of the things that are happening on our border, think of things that are happening in all of our nation, all the evil that is manifesting itself in your day and in mine. One of these days, and it can't be far into the future, God will step forward and he will make things right. Because he's a good God and he cannot do otherwise. God cannot stand by, for instance, and say out of one side of his mouth how much he loves life and loves children and ignore the killing of children. A good God cannot do that. No good God could do that. He must be just. He must be fair. He must be righteous. And righteous he will be, and his righteousness will flame up during the tribulation period. But here's the third thing about the tribulation that catches everybody by surprise. 
over the years as I've preached about prophecy, sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor Jeremiah, when do you think the revival is going to start? And I say to them, what revival is that? Well, the revival that has to happen before Jesus has come back. Well, it's possible that that will happen, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't predict that before Jesus comes back in the rapture, that there will be an incredibly evangelistic thrust around the world. In fact, it pretty much tells you differently. Let me tell you one thing, though. The rapture does not demand a revelation of revival before it happens, but after it happens, the greatest revival in the history of the world is going to take place on planet Earth. Did you know that? During the tribulation period, four streams of gospel are going to run through this nation like you have never seen. Now listen to me. Isn't it like our God that during the time of this punishment, he's holding out his hands to invite people to himself so they can escape the wrath to come. Everywhere in the Bible where you see God at work in judgment, you see God at work in mercy. It is inevitable that those two things go together. Yes, God will judge evil, but he will never stop inviting people through his grace and his mercy. Let me show you what I mean. The gospel will be preached throughout this period of time. First of all, there will be at least four streams of gospel. The first one is the preaching of the 144,000. Now, let me show you where that is in the Bible, and then you can look at it for yourself at a later date. In the front lines of God's effort to bring tribulation survivors to himself will be 144,000 specially chosen Jewish evangelists who will flame out over this earth with the message of salvation. Here is where you will find that in the Bible, Revelation chapter 7. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, do not harm the sea, do not harm the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. God will ordain 144,000 Jews for a very special mission during the tribulation. Now think about it. He only had 12 Jews and he turned the first century upside down. Can you imagine what will happen when 12,000 times 12 are set loose on this earth? How many souls will be saved by the message of these evangelists? How many people will come to Christ? I don't know the number, but I can tell you from reading the Bible how many it will be. This is in Revelation chapter 7. This is what the Bible says. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. Then one of the elders answered saying to me who are these arrayed in white and where did they come from? So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What does it say about that number? It says it's such a great number you can't even number it. The people that get saved in the tribulation just from the witness of the 144,000 evangelists is amazing. But that's only part of the picture. 
along with the preaching of the 144,000, God is going to send back to this earth two personalities from the Bible. They call them the two witnesses. In Revelation 11:3, we read these words, I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now, we don't have time to argue about the identity of these two witnesses. Just let me tell you, if you read the careful scripture, you will discover they are Moses and Elijah. No two men in Israel's history would receive greater respect than Moses and Elijah. Moses was God's great deliverer, and so highly did the Jews think about Elijah that when they saw Jesus' miracles, they thought maybe he was Elijah. They will come back to this earth. Now, they will have a dynamic ministry, I believe, that will be produced so that everybody on earth will see it through television and the internet and all of the rest. They will preach a hard gospel. They will confront human wickedness. They will tell to the teeth of horrid godlessness what it means to worship the devil and what is going to happen to them because of it. And as you can well imagine, they will not be loved. Halfway through the tribulation, the two witnesses will be killed for their testimony and their miracles. And their bodies, according to the scripture, will be displayed in the city of Jerusalem, in the main city, and will be there for people to see. And of course, the devil and his cohorts and the Antichrist will party and rejoice. We finally got these two witnesses out of our way. Everybody will be watching this on television. Now watch this. I'm making some of this up. There'll be a commercial. <laughs> and when the commercial is over, they'll come back. And all of a sudden, these two witnesses are resurrected. They get up out of their coffins and stand in front of the cameras alive and well and certainly preaching the gospel again. Now, friends... If you're not saved and you don't get saved then, there's probably no hope for you. What will happen when that takes place around the world, when the two witnesses come back from the dead and as stunned people watch the two men once alive and unleashed will hear a voice from heaven and this is what the voice will say. Come up here and a cloud will envelop them and they will be raptured to heaven as people watch on television in total astonishment. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. And you know what I thought about this week? I never thought about this before. Did you know Elijah's going to get raptured twice? He gets raptured in the Old Testament in the chariot, and he gets raptured here in the tribulation. How do you get to get raptured twice? I mean, raptured once is amazing. This dude gets raptured twice. And then, if the 144,000 witnesses are not enough, if the incredible miracle-working witnesses are not enough, God has a third way. The Bible tells us that he's going to dispatch an angel from heaven who will fly all over the earth preaching the gospel. Here's where you find that in Revelation 14. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Jesus, for the hour of his judgment has come, 
and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Are you getting the picture? I painted the dark backdrop of the tribulation period, how awful it will be. But in the midst of it all, 144,000 witnesses, two dynamic miracle-working prophets, now an angel circulating the globe and preaching the gospel, filling in the empty places, the safety net, if you will. And heaven will be populated with men and women who have come to Christ during the tribulation period. And sometimes I think when uh, we teach this, we should also remind people that you don't want to wait till the tribulation to become a Christian because the bottom line is if you become a Christian in the tribulation, you will probably end your life as a martyr because Christians will not be uh, accepted. And the Bible says if you take the mark of the beast, you cannot go to heaven. So if people get into the tribulation as Christians, they get saved in the tribulation. They might get saved one day, and they might, um, they might be dead the next day because there will be no tolerance for Christians. The Antichrist will have a, a stranglehold on everything that happens during that day. If you're not a Christian, don't wait for the tribulation. Get saved now. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart today. When you do that, be sure and get in touch with us and let us know that you've done it so that we can help you and add value to your walk with the Lord with a couple of resources that will get you going and, and make, it, make it strong for you. In the meantime, we'll see you next time for part two, Salvation and Tribulation, tomorrow right here. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Great Disappearance, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new hardcover book, The Great Disappearance. 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready. Informative and inspiring. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. It turns out that a stressful relationship can break your heart, literally break your heart. 
Researchers at Michigan State University have found that older couples in stressful marriages, especially the wives, have a higher risk of heart disease than couples in happy relationships. We hear a lot today about the heart health benefits of good nutrition and exercise, but less about the benefits of happiness for a healthy heart. Remember what the book of Proverbs says, a merry heart does good like medicine. All married couples need to invest time and energy in strengthening their marriage, which will strengthen their hearts at the same time. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's keys to happiness on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.